The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I'm so excited to have Leah Barto with me. And Leah is the online program direct for, director for BirthFit. Thank you so much for being here, Leah. You. Okay, so we're going to be talking about all of the everything about BirthFit and what this program is. Um, as we've said before in Birth Circle, that uh, your birth education program is is really core to setting you up for success in your birth and uh, finding the right program for you is is key. So I'm so excited to be interviewing you, Leah. So how did you get your start in the birth world? What was what's your gateway yeah. <laughs> drug? Well, I think, I mean, you know, starting early on, I think I always knew I wanted to be a mother myself. Um, and that always piqued my interest. Um, but when I kind of dove in, that was not my intention. I wasn't coming up on motherhood. I knew I had time, but um, I'm, I'm a gym owner and I'm a coach and I really always had a passion for working with women and taking it further, but kind of digging a little bit deeper into women's health, which um, there's not a ton of funding and research for. So once you start to go down that rabbit hole, it's frustrating because you're like, I want to teach more, but where is the information? Um, so I think what happened was I knew of BirthFit and I knew I wanted to become, you know, in a small scale, a BirthFit coach and have the knowledge, the credibility to be teaching and coaching the women within my community, um, appropriate, what's appropriate in pregnancy and birth and postpartum, things like that. So I actually went to a BirthFit in-person seminar, um, in 2016. And I remember just being like blown away. Like it was mm -hmm. so much more than I ever thought. And they painted like history of childbirth in America and, you know, where we've come from and this whole picture where it was like, this is not common information, but it's so important. Like women are giving birth every single day and they don't have this information and it's almost like a disservice to them. Like how I need, I need the whole world to know this. So it's kind of one of those weekends where you leave and you're like, okay, what next? I need more. So I became a birth fit coach. And then, um, that following summer I became a birth doula. And for me, that was just really marrying my, like my inherent love for just coaching in general and working with women and also having a platform where now I can teach childbirth education. I can have a hand in on their birth and help them to have this birth that they desire. And the really cool part was I was now working with women and families from preconception, training them in prenatal, doing childbirth education, attending their birth and being able to like work with them in their first full year postpartum. And like this whole, you know, full circle spectrum for me was like, wow, I get to now be like a hand in this mm -hmm. and then take it one step further um, from there, I started kind of evolving into BirthFit and wanting to do more within the company. But I found that every birth that I attended as a doula also shed light on what I want more for myself and my birth. So as I approached, 
years, you know, a few years later, my turn, it was really cool because all of that kind of helped shape my plan and becoming a mother and what that transition looked like for us too. Got it. So, um, what is, what is BirthFit? Yeah. So BirthFit is an empowering education platform. Um, we kind of exist within four pillars. So I think there's this big misconception um, because of the name birth fit, people typically think, oh, it's just fitness for pregnant postpartum women. And I would say it's definitely one of the things that we specialize in. Um, and we tend like we are industry leaders in that realm and our knowledge there. So fitness, very, very important. Um, but we also educate on mindset and, and pregnancy and birth and postpartum which we know is so important on nutrition. And um, ultimately we are big on connection. So making sure that um, we are a platform to connect women and families or the birthing parent on who's on your birth team, who can we connect you with in your community, um, you know, to work with during your birth, to work on your body, things like that. So all in all an educational platform where we can teach, coach and educate. Um, but also just getting that information out there. That's not, like I said in the beginning, just, it's not mainstream. It's not something that you're just going to type a word in on Google and pops up and you're like, Oh, I've, I've learned so much, right? It's just kind of that, Hey, we want you to know these things and you're probably not going to see it if you're just scanning yeah. um, FAQs on birth. Well, I know the first time I heard the word postpartum was about 12 years ago on Oprah and I searched the word postpartum and Google didn't even recognize it. I couldn't figure out if there was a space between post and partum. Like yeah. just 10 years ago, 12 years ago, you were not able to search the word postpartum. Yeah. And That's now crazy. I think you, there's the big, you know, it's so much talk about postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, which is very important and real. But I almost think people think that that is postpartum, like it's a negative thing. Oh, don't mm. say the word postpartum because I relay that with anxiety, with depression. And it's like, no, postpartum is something we all experience. And it's a very like sacred time. It's a huge transition, but we need to embrace it. And I don't think just in America in general, um, we have a hard time in this society embracing the postpartum period. That's a really good point. Okay. So let's talk about um, mindset. You mentioned mindset and a couple other things. So what do you teach? What does birth teach, uh, birth fit teach about mindset? Yeah. So specific to birth, I would say we teach that, you know, the moment you have a positive pregnancy test, you are pregnant. And this is a very unique window, you know, nine to 10 month window and which your mindset is so important. And so we've, we've come, you know, in our society, a lot of times when I ask people, what do you know about birth? We think about call the midwives, like TV shows, Hollywood, like, oh, your water breaks and you're screaming and it's the scary thing, but then your baby comes out and life is complete, right? Um, and we have this, or you've only heard horror stories and you're like, oh, this was my mom's experience or, um, you know, someone saw my, my bump in the grocery store and told me how terrible their birth was, right? So I think in general, um, we're taught to fear birth versus embracing it as an, as the process that it is. And so our mindset immediately in pregnancy shifts to, I am pregnant. So in the fitness realm in particular is where we really work on training for birth. 
And so I think a lot of times people think, okay, I know I should exercise. I know it's good for me, but what can I do? What can I not do? And how do I change what I'm doing to be appropriate for pregnancy? And instead we change that mindset to I'm in season for birth. So if you think about sports that have a season, they train differently in the off season than they do leading up to like a championship event. And that changes throughout the year. Their coaching changes, the way they lift weights changes. All of those things is very specific and very intentional. So it's the same thing. It's like we have this nine, 10 month window where we can specifically plan for an end goal, which is birth. So trimester to trimester, training is going to look different. We're not modifying and changing things within a program because we're pregnant. We're training with the intention for birth. And so that's one of the big mindset changes we go towards is like, hey, you're not just, you're not fragile. We don't need to change things. You're just training with an end goal in mind. Mm. Um, Another mindset um, thing before I pause is embracing the, um, or like cultivating your feminine flow. So in pregnancy, we teach that you're called into your feminine more so than any other time in your life. And we tend to operate in a more masculine dominated world and important to note that, Hey, there's, there's masculine energy, there's feminine energy. There's not one that's wrong and one that's right or bad or good, but we need them to coexist and we need to spend time within the two. Um, And when we're dominated in a masculine world, a lot of objectiveness controlled, we want numbers. We want to count calories. We want to know how long to work out, how fast we need to go. Um, pregnancy is now calling us into our feminine and we invite women to like embrace that and to play with creativity and fun and nourishment versus counting calories and kind of stepping into that feminine energy versus resisting it. So what does the feminine energy look like in terms of, um, strength training, like in terms of physical training? Yeah. So changing a lot of verbiage. So typically if someone is lifting, right, they want percentages like, Hey, today you're going to be doing this lift at 70%. And it's very objective instead of saying like, Hey, I want you to build to what might feel like a seven out of 10 for the day. What it like, what does your body feel like today? It's not a specific number that we're chasing. It's a feeling. Or if it's like, Hey, this is a 30 minute workout. Instead of saying, Hey, I want you to do as as many rounds as you possibly can in 30 minutes, it's, hey, flow through these movements for continuous movement for 30 minutes. And it's learning to work with and move with the body you have that day versus trying to meet pre-pregnancy body or where you have an expectation that you think you might be. And of course, in pregnancy and in womanhood, like we're different every single day. So kind of just embracing, like, meet myself where I'm at today. Wow. That is a mindset shift. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, you could use that later too, but it's super important in pregnancy because every day you have a different body. <laughs> every day. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you have you all the energy one day and you're like, man, I feel great. And then the next day you're like, I can't get off the couch. I'm exhausted. And so yep. like looking to drop the expectations And just meeting yourself and almost going within and just saying like, hey, body, baby, like, what are you up to? What are you up for today? And how can I work with you instead of, you know, telling you what you need? I'm open to receiving and hearing what you need. So 
uh, when we think of training, we think of like building muscle or building endurance for that event. Are you working towards that or are you trying to just enhance your body? What are, what's the training the mindset behind the need of the training? So in the prenatal side, our training, like I said, with the intention training for birth, and there's a lot of ways that we can do that. So, um, yes, we believe that strength training is extremely important regardless of what kind of athlete you are you could be yoga predominant you could be running predominant you could do high intensity exercise whatever it is um, we know that resistance training is really great for the joints and the ligaments the connective tissue and it's going to help you if you're solely a runner it's going to help build those things up to prevent injury so we do believe in strength training um, but we believe, and so, you know, you hear these blanket statements from, from doctors or providers where it's like, don't lift over 20 pounds and don't let your heart rate get above 140. And okay, so you want me not to do any of those things for the next nine months. It's like this blanket statement. There's no research behind it. And then it's like, but then you show up after not doing that and labor is a, a pretty hard workout, probably the hardest one you'll ever do in your life. So your heart rate's going to exceed 140. And, you know, really quickly, you put a baby in a car seat loaded in the car with a diaper bag, you're lifting more than 20 pounds. So you're not setting the birthing person up for success. If you're telling them not to do those things, you're treating oh, wow. them that's fragile. so true. Yeah, treating was fragile. So yeah. And so what we know in pregnancy in the first trimester, your heart is working harder to make almost double the amount of blood and oxygen for the baby. And so you're actually becoming a more superhuman version of yourself. So we're not treating pregnancy as fragile. We're treating it as the like superhuman state that it is. So we have strength training, but it's not just blindly lift these weights. It's, hey, we want to work on balancing both sides. We tend to be one side dominant, which leads to compensation, which can lead to injury. And guess what? In labor, you might, you might need both sides. You might need to lunge with your left leg instead of your right leg. Um, we also work for just range of motion. So being able to get into positions like a deep squat, like a good lunge, um, forward leaning inversions, things that we know also help in labor. And then with our conditioning work, um, we have mixed time domains as well. So if you think about labor, you've got the 60 second contraction. It's it doesn't feel short, but in reality, it's short and sweet, right? And then you have the mid-range where it's like, hey, you might be in active labor from anywhere from one to three hours or six to eight. And then you think big picture, you might be in labor in its entirety for three days. So we need to train all time domains, short, medium, and long. Um, but one thing that we like to do is like work every minute on the minute. So say for 15 minutes, every minute on the minute, you're doing a designated piece of work and then resting the remainder of the minute. And that's mimicking a contraction. So give or take a contraction 60 seconds, it's got 15, 20 seconds of peak intensity, and then you get a little bit of rest before the next one. So mm. subconsciously we're training like, hey, I can do something hard and intense knowing that I get a little bit of a break before the next one. And so those are ways that we kind of trickle in training for birth and making sure we have intention behind everything that we do and not just this random, hey, here's just some random exercises you can do that, you know, they say is good for pregnancy. Wow. Wow. Cool. So can you come into this having absolutely no training experience before? 
Yeah, absolutely. So all of our um, programs are, we have videos that go along with them, a lot of detailed notes. Um, you know, it's written so that it's ideal if you have certain kinds of equipment, but we have resources on like, hey, what if I don't have equipment? Um, you know, it's like, hey, we can always load up a backpack. We can always swing a heavy purse. You know, there's things that we can grab around the house to make things work, especially I feel like now um, in this world of COVID, people are just learning to get really creative. Um, but yes, anyone can can do we got programs on the postpartum side too. And I will say that they're heavily, um, every single day also includes what we call mind body connection, mind body reflection. So specific breath pieces, um, as well as different core pelvic floor prehab in the prenatal and rehab in the postpartum to where regardless of where you're coming in, um, fitness related, not fitness related, coming from off the couch, um, there's going to be a way and an intention for you to kind of get started. Very, very cool. And you can match the, the physical uh, preference of, like you said, if you're a yogi or if you like to run, your, your program can help somebody find the right program for their style of exercise. Absolutely. And I would say our, our training prenatal, it's, you know, it's 40 weeks of training that kind of goes consistent with the physiological changes of the body and, and being mindful of what the baby's doing during different times, your body's changing, um, baby's trying to flip at a certain time, you know, there's certain things that we're doing, where we're paying attention to those things. Um, so I would say, you can continue doing the training that you're used to, but this is going to be specific in training for birth. And then on the postpartum side, um, which we can talk about a little bit more, we have multiple programs in a very specific postpartum timeline to be very intentional in our healing. And it's, it's kind of our goal that anyone, regardless of what they want to return to in their fitness regimen, um, that they're going through this process with us. And by the time they finish, they're ready to go back to whatever they love to do on a daily basis. Wow. Cool. Okay. So talk to me about, um, nutrition. Yeah. What do you teach about nutrition? So nutrition is one of those things where pretty much whenever somebody asks a nutrition question, the answer is it depends. Um, there's, I, don't, a, I was going to hook, I was going to trick you, but now there's no tricking. All right, fine. <laughs> you, um, so, you know, we teach all of the all of the nutritional things on nutrition where it's like, yes, we know that we should eat whole, like real whole foods. We know that, you know, there's different supplements, things and supplements we should look for. And honestly, um, we're very specific to like, Hey, nutrition isn't a one size fits all. We recommend, you know, blood work, these labs and kind of knowing yourself before we blindly just tell you what to do. One of our favorite resources is Lily Nichols, real food for pregnancy. Um, and that's just, probably one of, if not the best resource I know of out there. Um, but we're careful not, we, we give broad information versus like, here's what you need to do. One thing that we do that really, I think separates birth fit from a lot of others in the nutrition realm is we focus more on what we call mind body nourishment. And so when we think about food, um, it's an equation. There's what you eat, but the other half of the equation is who you are as an eater. 
And that's, you know, equally, if not more important. So we have a lot of things that we've learned from Mark David from the Institute of Psychology of Eating. And we dive into more of like the mindset and the mind body nourishment of who you are as an eater versus telling people what to eat. So what kind of eaters are there? I'm really curious. I've never heard this before. So we learned that from like from the infant ages, we have this unique emotional attachment to food because what do we know as an infant? We know that mom is love and mom is food. So food is love. And so if you think about how that's ingrained with us, men and women um, through adulthood, you think about our positive and negative emotions that are attached to food. And we we actually start moralizing food. So one exercise that I love to do, um, anyone listening in, I'll try to walk through it so I don't give it away. But the first thing we do is, hey, write down a list of your favorite good foods and your favorite bad love to hate foods. And so, you know, give me your favorite five or 10. And we go back through and typically it's like, okay, give me your good foods. Tomatoes, kale, meat, um, fruit, you know, all of the like real whole foods. Okay, give me your favorite bad love to hate foods. Ice cream, um, chocolate, you know, yeah, donuts. And they throw all of these out. And so here's the kicker. Food is neither bad nor good. It just is. But since we moralize food, what we've learned to do is if I eat the good thing, I'm good. And if I eat the bad thing, I'm a bad, I'm bad now. So we, t- we take food and we're able to say like, hey, I've been really good, but this weekend I had a cheat meal, fell off the wagon, but it's Monday and I'm back on. And so cheating is like, we use words like that with food, but it's a very negative thing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't come into your friends on a Monday and be like, cheated on my husband over the weekend, but we're back on. We're good now. Right? <laughs> oh no. Right. So, um, but we'll do that with food. We have this emotional response. Moralize. And that's a big light bulb for people. They're like, Oh, that is like, I would never just throw that word around elsewhere. Um, but if you think about it, like, what do we do when say a good friend of yours, um, goes through like a loss, right? Subconsciously. So somebody goes through, like they lose a family member and they're going through a really tough time. Everyone wants to show up with lasagna and cake and comfort food um, because subconsciously we want them to get that sugar high, that spike, and then coming off of that, that emotional dump. And so we talk about how the way that we moralize food and our mindset around food, who we are as an eater, actually like the way that it works within the body breaks down in the body differently person to person. So you and I could sit down and have the same burger and salad. But if you're viewing it as like, hey, this is awesome. I feel really great, super stoked about this meal. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm having the bread and I like, this is so many calories and I'm stress eating. Your body's going to break it down and metabolize it a lot in a, in a better way than I am. Or it could be something as simple as me being on my phone, stuffing my face, not being mindful, not being present. And my body's response to that is a lot different than stopping and chewing and, and actually being present in the moment. So Wow. And I also read that your body, different bodies process sugars and proteins differently anyway. So yeah. what can be a low glycemic food for one person is actually causes a spike in another. And so 
you're saying foods are neither bad nor good. And that would make sense. Biologically, foods are different for everyone. So you can't just put a blanket statement. Yeah. And we know that there's things that are inherently going to be healthier. So we like to change our verbiage from bad to good to effective and ineffective. And we all have goals. Um, and maybe in, in pregnancy, our goal is birth, right? So the decision that I'm making is effective or more ineffective to bring me closer to my goal. But after birth, maybe it's more aesthetical, maybe it's health related. So we're always making decisions, but we're owning that decision of like, hey, I understand this is an ineffective decision, but I'm doing it because it's it's what I really want right now. And well, that's really cool. So so for me, biologically, I do very well with dairy. I'm one of the rare people that dairy, actually, when I'm sick, dairy is pretty much the only thing I can eat. And yeah. I do not do well with um, grains. I just okay. don't. Yeah. And biologically, like where my ancestry comes from, it's dairy farms for millions and millions, okay, thousands of years. And so like dairy for me is a good food, not to good and bad, but dairy is a wholesome, it's a good choice. So I always see dairy, including full fat ice creams as mm-hmm. healthful. Like I'm a good girl if I eat briars yeah. because I chose briars over the donut, <laughs> you yeah. know, but so, for somebody else, it's effective, right? Yeah. For me, it's effective, but for somebody else, they'd be like, Oh, I cheated. I ate ice cream. And I'm like, you cheated and you ate cheese. Like half my daily caloric intake is cheese. I don't understand why that can be bad for you. But that's the example that you're saying is that, that you stop looking at food as neither bad nor good, but effective or ineffective. Right. And your goals will change, right? So like I said, sometimes it's aesthetical, sometimes it's for health, you know, there's different things. So what could have been ineffective a year ago could be different now. And today and our mindset around it um, is going to help interpret, you know, how it's received by the body. Interesting. And and throughout pregnancy too, I I read that, um, wow, I just don't have facts memorized, but I I remember reading that um, you are more insulin insulin resistant at the end of pregnancy, but more insulin sensitive at the beginning of pregnancy, something like that. And so even sugars, starches are going to be different depending on where you are in your pregnancy. Yeah. And I, it's, it's wild. I've had good friends who just continuously track, um, through like a patch on their arm, their glucose and they'll eat a chocolate donut and they'll stay like well within range, but then they'll have a serving of pineapple and it will spike, you know, yes, so that's, like, yeah, exactly. totally different or white rice gets them, but potatoes don't or something like that. So yeah, everyone's unique and everyone's different. And that's why it's really hard in the pregnancy window to say, eat these things. We know based on baby's development and what mom is going through, there are certain nutrients that are needed and there's foods that are going to provide that, but we can't just give this black and white, eat these things, don't eat these things because everyone's just so- Yeah. Well, I did this research. I'm not a nutritionist, but I was just fascinated because um, I did the low carb life, the keto life for a long time before it was all the rage it is now. And um, I just thought, well, it doesn't make sense. It, It- ancestrally, like with the paleo and the keto, does it make sense that our ancestors, our pregnant ancestors would have had access to a lot of carbs while they were pregnant? So why does modern medicine, modern advice say, you know, you need to load up on the carbs while you're pregnant. Don't go low carb, don't go low carb. So right. start researching and it's like the morning. And I thought, well, it doesn't make sense too. If, if you're going to kill your baby, if you don't eat, then what's up with morning sickness universe? Like, right. hello evolution. Why the heck would we make a mom not be able to eat for three months? And, but still make a perfectly healthy human. So there's got to be, you know, so then reading these studies about 
what nutritional or what dietary ketosis, what the, what basically morning sickness does in your body. And I'm like, Oh, we just don't understand. (laughs) I mean, maybe you do, but the general public, like you said, you can't like research. If you try and research keto and pregnancy or low carbon pregnancy, you get all of these really random and, you know, anecdotal like articles that don't have nobody in the research world wants to touch pregnancy, which is understood. Um, you like, you don't want to be the one where the pregnancy trial goes bad, but we need research and we need to know more. And so it's like, I get questions all the time. Like right now, um, cold therapy and ice baths are, are a big thing and there's a ton of health benefit. And so I'll have friends that are like, Hey, I do this regularly, but now I'm pregnant. Can I hop in my 32 degree tub? And I'm like, it's an, I don't know, because nobody's going to research there. But like, what if it's like, if you know what you're doing and you're able to, you know, work with your autonomic nervous system, like what if that's a really good thing? And, you know, we would never know because who's going to do that research. So yeah, it's, it's wild how little, um, research there is in women's health, but specifically in pregnancy. Yeah. So basically you're teaching what worked before. Let's enhance that. If something wasn't working before, let's maybe change patterns to prepare for birth, but you're not like a prescriptive. This is what you do. Yeah. And it's a, you know, you know, in the fitness world, it's, Hey, we know that in the first trimester, like you're not going to feel great. Your body's, you know, your, your heart's working a lot harder. You're going to feel out of breath. Um, if you even have the energy to get off the couch and work out versus in the second trimester, we know, Hey, you get a wave of energy. You might feel stronger than you ever have. Your body's efficient. It's catching up to the heart. You've got all um, extra blood. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you are literally a superhuman. And so we know, also like babies want to get in position for birth at 26, 27 weeks. So what are we going to do? We're going to crawl more. We're going to do cat cows. We're going to see more inversions, um, more squatting. Like we're doing things to make sure that we're helping facilitate that process. And then in the third trimester, it's like, Hey, as we're getting nearer, like 36 plus weeks, like you wouldn't, if Usain Bolt had a hundred meter dash, um, Olympic time trial tomorrow, he's not running his best race today. He's resting. He's in a taper down. He's taking care of his body. He's going mental, you know, he's working through the process. <laughs> I love it. Same thing. We have a taper down process. We can't outwork pregnancy. We can't outwork birth. It's all about working with your body. So it's literally like training in season and you have like this peak training, but then you're going to taper down and get ready for game day, which is birth. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And if, if your accomplishment for the day is rolling over bed in bed. <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> goals. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Talk more about the connection about finding resources and building your birth team. Yeah. So a lot of the research and things we do know is that there's certain things that are really helpful for mom and baby and pregnancy and birth. And that's going to encourage Um, I would say more efficient healing postpartum. And so one of the things we're big advocates of is chiropractic um, specifically, and, you know, working with a Webster ICPA certified chiropractor that specializes in peds and and maternity. Um, So their, their niche is working with pregnant women and babies. Um, So we know that few things, a, our bodies do a lot of weird things in pregnancy. They're constantly (laughs) changing. Um, 
we have relaxin that's released in the first trimester and again in the third and for as long as you're breastfeeding, which is what makes your joints and your ligaments a little bit more malleable. If you feel like, hey, I'm doing the stretch and I've never stretched as far before, it's because there's some relaxin there. Or you might press overhead and feel a little wobbliness in the shoulder. Everything is just um, a little... A little more flexible right because we're making room for baby your body's your your body's remarkable and it's getting you ready for birth but so with that your hips get out of alignment your pelvis gets out of alignment your lower back starts to ache you're uncomfortable right so a lot like in a nutshell they're just balancing your hips and your pelvis to keep you comfortable but with balanced hips and pelvis that's also going to allow baby to get in a good position to make that flip um so you know like i said around 26 27 weeks um, we want to see a chiropractor regularly if we can i realize that not everyone has um you know the means or the ability to see someone regularly that's close to them but that's helping you get in a position for a more ideal birth, lesser time in labor. You know, getting baby in position is so important versus 36 weeks. You walk in and the first time you've ever heard of anything is your doctor being like, well, your baby's still breached. So we either need to schedule, you know, a, a rotation or we need to start planning for a cesarean. And you're like, well, if I would have known that before the baby yeah. much room, that would have been nice. Right. So chiropractic is a huge one. Um, and in addition to that, you know, there's acupressure, acupuncture, things like that, that help a lot of, um, a lot of different things. And I think it's just knowing yourself and, and if that helps you, but that's another one that we recommend pelvic floor PTs, especially postpartum, super, super helpful. There's a lot of blanket statements of start doing your Kegels in pregnancy. And as soon as you're postpartum, do your Kegels and, um, I'm a big advocate that nobody should be prescribing Kegels except for a pelvic floor PT who's doing an internal exam um, because they know a little bit more about what's going on. Um, so, and then, you know, there's doulas connecting with the right midwife for you, connecting with the right OB for you, and just finding those resources. So our connection is just making sure, A, the information is there around these things, but also having like a huge index of here's birth fit certified or birth fit leaders who specialize in chiropractic, who are doulas, who are coaches and making it kind of, there's a directory on the birth fit website where you can go plug in your zip code and find who's closest to you. And that's going to help you get a team of like-minded individuals. Yeah. So instead of having to ask intake questions of every single professional you meet, by using your directory, they can find people that are just already like-minded. So if you like the birth it program mentality, uh, philosophy, then these are providers that can help. Yeah. Like they get it. Right? Yeah. And, and so, but what, what you're saying is you are not an Island. You can't just take this birth, uh, this birth fit program and then be ready that you should be bringing other people in the community. You should be building this team around you. Yeah. I mean, birth is such a, it's a team effort. Only you and your baby are allowed, like we always say only you and your baby are going to have a ticket to the birth, right? Like your partner might not make it, your OB, your midwife <laughs> might not make it, but you and your baby will. But we also need to feel supported, right? In order yeah. to go into that place of surrender, we need to know that like our cave is protected and the people that know my birth desires, that know what I need, like they are here when those decisions need to be made, but they're holding down the space and I can go within and 
you know, do this wonderful dance that gets the baby out. And so I think it's that, like we talk about, um, a mountain and when in pregnancy, you have your team, that's just slowly walking you up this mountain, but then in, in birth and active labor, there's a point on that mountain that only you can go. Your partner can't go with you. Your doula can't go with you. Your doctor can't go with you. Um, you go there and then baby comes and then we don't just want to roll you back down the other side of the mountain your team comes back and they walk you back down and help you, you know, into the postpartum and, and step into that transition. So oh my goodness. Support, and we're just trying to help you build that team. So expanding on that metaphor, the better the team, the farther up they can take you up that mountain. Absolutely. And the more you're empowered and just feel safe to go and do what you need to do. It's like, these people know what I need. If anything comes up where we need to make a change of plans or we need to make decisions, like they have my back. But we always say like the birthing person doesn't need to be in their thinking brain. They need to be in their more reptilian, like go within, do the natural thing, right? That only they can do, but their team can be the thinking brain and facilitate those conversations, decisions that need to be made. So it's like being able to hike without a pack. So yeah. your your Sherpas, your team is there to carry the water and the food and the supplies. So you yeah. can scale that mountain. Oh my gosh, I love this metaphor. Stealing yeah. it, using it ever, forevermore. Yeah. <laughs> I just think also, I, I was uh, in Hawaii a few years ago and I had my five-year-old on my back and I was like barreling up this mountain, like up this volcano. I was like passing all these people that are winded and I was like, I'm so powerful and amazing. And I get to the top and somebody mentioned something about how they went to Denver and they got altitude sickness. And it it dawned on me, oh, I am Salt Lake. I am from Salt Lake. I'm up at this high altitude and I'm now hiking at sea level. And I seriously have never felt more in love and more like powerful in my own flesh than I did hiking up that silly volcano until I got to, well, no, even with the top. But that's what it feels like to me is your team is like, making it so that you can hike as a mountain, as a mountain person at sea level. And you just have this extra oomph. Like I didn't get winded, no muscle fatigue. Like I was just, yeah. I barreled up that mountain. Yeah. And that's and what a team can do for you. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think it's just, I think that connection piece too, to take it one step further is like, everyone has to know their scope and they have to be willing to refer out. So I'm a coach, I'm a doula, like I can help you. But if you come to me and potentially have a prolapse, like, I don't know internally what's going on. I'm going to refer to a pelvic floor PT and work with her on the same team versus being like, Oh, well, let's just assume it's a grade one. So we'll do this and like make it worse. So I think a part of the connection piece is also understanding that like, Hey, in the birth world, birth workers, we're all on the same team. We're here to advocate for birth, for women, um, and to share this information. So making sure we're not in that scarcity mindset of like, I want to do it all. It's like, Hey, here's areas where I specialize, but when this comes up, this is your person. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So what do you do for the partner? What kind of resources do you have for the birth partner? Yeah. So, um, I think one of the big things is including them. Um, when we do childbirth education, including the partner, um, where we also show them comfort measures, where we show them, you know, things that they can be doing, but also we have a lot of resources that we go through when coming up with our birth preferences and our postpartum preferences. And when we give those resources out, 
um, we always have them print an extra copy for the partner. So it's like, Hey, I want to know your desires. Like, what do you want? And what do you don't want in your birth? But I also want to know from your partner's lens, like what's important for them. Um, and having those conversations so that they also feel a part of it. Um, we did a really awesome partner panel at our birth fit summit two years ago. It's, it's online. It's one of our podcasts, but also highlighting that, um, you know, partners aren't always husbands and understanding and, and creating awareness around, like, I think there's a stigma that when you refer to, you know, the birthing mom, that she's always got a husband. And so like, what is, what is same sex um, birthing look like and how is that different? And, you know, things like that. Or single, just, single moms. hundred percent. Like their, their sister, their mom them? can be the birth partner or their doula. They can just be doing this with the doula and the doula is then both the doula and the birth partner. Yeah. And so it's really like defining that, right? It's like, Hey, you might have a, a partner who's so hands-on and wants to do all of the things and you have a doula there to kind of lead the way and then take a step back. Or you might have the partner or maybe not a partner at all that like, it's not their thing. Hospitals aren't their thing or birth isn't their thing. And they have to take a step back for themselves. And you have your, you know, your support team around you to help pick that up. So um, that's one of the things we do. We talk a lot about um, just the communication too on like, Hey, how do you need to feel supported and having that conversation with the partner? Um, and we, I would say we have a good amount of what I call like birth fit dads and birth stories on our podcast, where it also lends to the, the partner's experience. So it's not just like, Hey, I want to hear your birth story from your lens, but let's hear it from the partner's lens. Um, because typically you hear two different things. Um, and then lastly, I would say on the postpartum side, just teaching and educating what you should be looking out for and ways that we can help facilitate that healing, both physically and emotionally um, or mentally, I should say, and making sure that they're not just like, oh, that's just part of it. Right. But, hey, these are things that probably aren't normal or here's some red flags or here's some things to look out for and making sure that they can support in that way, too. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. And so how about postpartum healing? What is your focus? Postpartum so we have a postpartum timeline that we stick to. Um, and Which so means you have, must be back in your size one jeans within a week. Yeah, that's the opposite. Oh. Um, <laughs> so we talk about how postpartum is forever. People tend to think like, oh, after three months or I get six weeks of clearance, like I'm not postpartum anymore. Oh, like, I love oh, this. I am you're still postpartum, postpartum forever. I get um, to keep my tiger stripes forever. Yeah, yeah, it's part of you. And I, and I pee when I sneeze. Just kidding, I don't. Yeah. But the the round ligament every time I sneeze. Oh man, feel it. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, babies. So part of mindset is that like you know people talk about bouncing back, pre baby body things like that, and we're big on like, hey, you will never be pre baby again, and you might fit in those jeans. You might you you might you know look the same as you were pre-baby, but you're never pre-baby. So My hips have, never went back. Yeah, mine haven't either. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, don't restrict yourself to chasing something in the past. 
take the feeling that you want and like find ways now to make that happen. So yeah. you know, what made, like I enjoyed feeling sexy then, like I felt sexy. I could wear a crop top or I could, you know, wear my low waisted jeans instead of my high waisted jeans. And it's like, okay, let's chase that feeling instead. Like I felt sexy. What's going to make you feel sexy right now? Like maybe you go buy something that fits you the way you are right now versus trying to squeeze in something that doesn't make you feel good. And then you call it a date night and you take a shower and you do your hair and your makeup and you get a sitter and like you feel sexy again. Right. So, um, staying in the present, but I would say in general, our postpartum timeline, one thing for all of the listeners is we have a lying in program. It's a 30 day program and it's free to everyone that subscribes to the birth fit newsletter and it's intentional healing. So a lot of belly massage, um, a lot of breath work, um, returning intention back to the core. We now, like we had this occupied space where we're really connected with our baby and then we give birth and it's just like a feeling of emptiness. Um, and just a lot of respecting that initial immediate postpartum period. And in a lot of cultures, that's 90 days to the first year. And we're just pushing in America for that to be 30 days, like give women 30 days to just lie in bond with their baby, skin to skin, breastfeed, whatever works for them, right? For bonding, but don't feel obligated to get out and go back to work, which isn't a reality for everyone, but we're trying to just slow down this process. So it's 30 days of healing. Um, and then after that, we have what we call birth fit basics for 30 days. And it's all of our breath, core, pelvic floor work, and just body weight movements um, that we consider as rehab. And then we have birth fit postpartum training. So it goes from basics into training. That's a three month or 12 week program that takes you from the rehab phase to the rebuilding phase. So by the end of those 12 weeks, you will have touched, um, all of like the movements in a general fitness, um, I would say like movement index, you've hit different, you're picking up intensity, you're hitting fuller ranges of motion. And with that, you're also still working on healing the core and the pelvic floor. It's very intentional. And then by the end of that, which if you've followed from lying in to basics to training, you're five months postpartum and you're ready to return to the yoga or the running or um, whatever you want to in a gym setting. So, um, birth fit just by the name and the logo, uh, birth fit seems like it's just for people who are athletic that have now found themselves pregnant and now like have to adjust their, their routine. But what I'm hearing you, as you explain this whole thing, it's not about where you were before. It's not about being, if you're an athlete, like, yeah, this might be the best program out there for current athletes. Great. But it's not about just attracting, if you're a current athlete, the birth fit is a great fit. But if you're not a current athlete, but you want to be more mindful about the physical experience of being pregnant and postpartum, and you want to honor the movement of your body and build strength that will serve you in your motherhood. And, mm -hmm. and just as you age, <laughs> as we become yeah. postpartum, then birth fit is an excellent curriculum as well. So you don't have to be all like, super yogi or super runny or <laughs> super, yeah, no, it's, super sportsy it. to, to be birth fit. Yeah. It sounds really cliche, but we say birth fit is for everyone. Um, whether you plan on having babies or not, whether you've had them or not, whether you're male, female, however you identify 
the, the birth fit mindset is for everyone. And so things that we view as most important movements, like movement is life. As soon as you stop moving and you become sedentary, you're, you're wishing away years off of your life, mm-hmm. right? The movement is life regardless of how you do it. Um, nutrition is important. Who you are as an eater, your mindset, that's important. Your mindset in general is important. Connection is important. Like all of these things, regardless of who you are as a human being, will make you a better human being. So um, we say birth fit is for everyone. We have um, a program coming out that's just for everyday training. We have a lot of people that finish our, have gone prenatal with us, have gone postpartum with us. And they're like, I just like these workouts. I like connecting with my body. I like focusing more on, um, you know, embracing where I am each day versus having to meet physical number percentages. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've gotten so much feedback on that that we're like, great, let's just come out with an everyday program so that you can just you can still be birth fit, right? So we call it like our B community. And it's just embracing the style of life. Um, and so, yeah, it's not particular to any one person, kind of person, things like that. It's open for everyone. I love that. I love that. Open for everyone. But really, if you want to, that connection with your physical body. Like I know for my first pregnancy, I was not connected with my body. I felt like it was a called called the pregnancy a parasite. Like I really did not have the tools to be able to connect with my body on any type of mm of like conscious level. And, and because of that, I did great damage to my body. And I, you know, you, you know, better, you do better. It's fine. I'm not mad at myself, but I just saw how that disconnect was really, um, it it really bit me in the long run. Um, but now, you know, I want to feel my body and I go to practitioners. I'm not, I'm, I'm nine years postpartum (laughs) and I go to these practitioners and they're like, I love how, when I, when I work with your body, once you acknowledge these spots that you're able to work through things and connect. And I'm like, yeah, that is hard one. I've been working for 16 years to like connect and understand my body. So birth fit sounds like is, would be a great program for anybody who wants to connect with the, the physical, their physical body. Yeah. And ready to do that work. Breathing. So breath is a huge thing for us. Oh yeah. We didn't Um, talk about that. Say that really fast. Yeah. So three tools that we all have access to, um, breath, sound, and movement, and they're free. Um, where we have access to them, all of us do. And those are the things that connect us most to our body and our autonomic nervous system. So you can go down the rabbit hole of um, the polyvagal theory, but the vagus nerve um, intersects the diaphragm and basically is what allows us to up or down regulate and navigate through our autonomic nervous system, the fight or flight, um, or kind of the, the stress side, the threat side, and then the safety side. And so our breath, our sound, our movement are the tools we have to help navigate that, especially it comes in handy in labor, right? When we know how to breathe, when we know how to use our voice in labor, be in different positions, movement, um, we find a little bit more flow and working with the body, working with the baby and, and finding what works for us. If we're like tense and we're screaming and all of these things, right? Like it doesn't work. It's the fear, tension, pain cycle. So we teach that within the pregnancy window, but also in life in all of our programs, we start every single day with a mind body connection piece. And that's where we just get into our bodies. It's where we do specific breath work and what we call our birth at basics, which are basic core pelvic floor rehab movements, 
but it's not just to blindly go through them. It's to start connecting my brain with the body. How does this feel today? Um, you know, and just kind of connecting the dots and not mindlessly moving. And so that's setting the intention for the day. And that's giving you the opportunity to say like, how am I feeling? You know, I had, my goal was to do this today. Maybe that's not most appropriate. And then we finish each section, each session with mind body reflection. So then we're tuning back in at the end. How do I feel now? How does my, you know, did I work with my body? Am I, you know, am I feeling injury? Is my body communicating something to me? And so we're using breath, we're using different stretches, down regulation, um, or maybe actual movements to kind of facilitate that reflection. So mind-body connection, mind-body reflection at the beginning and end of each program. And that's using those tools, breath and movement and things like that to help be within our body and to make sure that we're taking notes every day. Wow. That is so cool. So cool. All right. So how do people find out more? I mean, obviously we've been saying birth fit, but tell us all the resources um, that, that people can find you. Yeah. So birthfit.com has all of your general information. If you're looking for consults, if you're looking for the online programs, um, any of that can be done through birthfit.com. Birthfit has a wonderful um, like plethora of blogs. So almost anything you can think of pregnancy, postpartum related, birth related, you can probably type it in with birth fit attached to it and you'll see a blog. Um, but you'll see things on breath on pelvic floor. You'll see things on nutrition and pregnancy. Um, you'll see things on postpartum diastasis, like things that everyone, you know, peeing when you don't want to be peeing after sneezing, after jumping, those are all things we have a ton of resources on in our blog. So definitely check out the birth fit blog. And then we have a birth fit podcast as well with a ton of awesome professionals who just educate and leak all this amazing free information. So those are the main places online. And then you can always follow BirthFit um, at BirthFit on Instagram and on Facebook. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been a fascinating conversation. And I feel like BirthFit is such a, wow, such a powerful resource. Such yeah. a man, <laughs> all encompassing. Like just, just hook up to BirthFit and they've got you covered. They, they yeah. will help you navigate all of the choices you need to make during your pregnancy and postpartum, right? Yeah, we would love to have you. And like I said, any questions you guys have, we have a ton of resources and our team is built up of, you know, I would say industry leaders and professionals that um, if you have specifics and you need to meet with someone, like we have someone that can help facilitate Oh that. yeah. One more question. How is your program designed? Is it all online or are there local instructors that people can hook up? With. Yeah. So if you go to the birth fit directory, you can look up if you have coaches in your area and it's kind of case by case what they offer in person. Some offer in-person postpartum series. So for new moms that are rehabbing and just had a baby, want to return to the gym, they'll do like a four week series. Some do childbirth education. So you can always look at our directory for in-person and then online programs um, through an app that's called Train Heroic is where all of our programs are. So whether you're someone who wants to do it via mobile app at home, or if you want to find in person, it's all on the BirthFit website. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience.